Hello, I'm Matthew Stepanek. And I'm Rayanne Haynes. And this is Let's Get Lit. episode, we interview poets of stature about their work and about the power and relevancy of poetry in order to support it and promote the arts and literacy. In a conversational style, we'll enjoy a glass of wine chosen to match the poet's personality and style while learning more about each poet and asking why poetry matters to them, hopefully we'll be able to maintain our composure as we move closer to some form of bacchanal truth. Uh, we would like to acknowledge and celebrate that our interview takes place on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Papas Chase, Nakota Sioux, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. Mm-hmm. And we'd also like to thank wine expert Gravinder Batia for his generosity as the podcast wine sponsor. Our pairings come from Gravinder's private cellar. Let's Get Lit is presented with the Writers Guild of Alberta, and we're grateful for their support in promoting and sharing this podcast. And as you're listening, uh, feel free to share your thoughts on the conversation with us on Twitter at Let's underscore Lit. So, today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, (laughs) maybe that's the time that matters more, um, we're pleased to welcome Claire Kelly to the podcast. Uh, she lives and writes on Treaty 6 in Edmonton and has written two full-length poetry collections, and you probably have a third one. Uh, or, or fourth but yeah. <laughs> third one in the yeah. bank, so... Prolific. Yeah, uh, lots coming from her. Easily bored. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, like, we'll talk about that. So your, your first collection, Maunder, centers on the act of walking and is available from Palimpsest Press. Uh, One Thing Then Another, her second collection, which we'll be discussing in this episode, um, was released in April 2018 with ECW Press and looks at the disjointedness of cross-country relocation. Um, And also her chapbook, Another Final Girl, is forthcoming from Rahilla's Ghost Press in spring 2020 and looks at the tropes of horror films through a feminist lens. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll also get a sneak peek of that. So yeah. that's a reason to listen to the whole podcast. Yeah, don't quit halfway. You. Yeah, yeah. We'll try to make Claire as that's entertaining the, as possible. And if you're listening to it at night, it's for the late at night horror fans. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We should recommend that. Listen to this late at night. Um, okay. You have a long bio, but there's one more, a few more things I want to say. <laughs> um, her, Claire's work has recently appeared or is forthcoming in Grain, QWERTY, The Antigonish Review, Prairie Fire, and Valum. In 2017, her poem Mother, What Should We Do Now, was longlisted for the CBC Poetry Prize, and she is one of the organizers of the Olive Reading Series, which happens every second Wednesday at the Almanac. From September till April. From September till April. So there'll be chances to still get that for the next couple months. Yeah. We just missed the last one. Next one's December 11th, 7 p.m. at the Almanac. Yep. That'll be out. Very cool. This will be out. This will be out by then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Claire, I get to talk a little bit about your wine and I knew, yeah, take a sip. Um, so we knew that, um, we needed to pick a unique, weird and wondrous (laughs) wine for you. (laughs) Nothing ordinary, nothing plain, and hopefully nothing expected like your poetry and your personality. (laughs) 
So tonight, it's <laughs> a lot to look at. Oh, it's great. Right <laughs> so tonight we are drinking OMG from Blasted Church Winery in the Okanagan Valley. Uh, the bottle, people can't see it, but the bottle is super cool. Um, it's kind of like. Um, what did you say earlier about it's psychedelic lapsed Catholic? Like psychedelic lapsed Catholic um, <laughs> on the label, and the cork was actually like a beer cap kind of cork. It was really as soon as I saw this bottle and thinking of you, I was like, this has to be <laughs> for <laughs> for Claire. Um, so the winery is. I think even cooler than the bottle. And um, the information on the website reads, In 2002, God herself took over a well-established yet unproven vineyard in Okanagan Falls, B.C. The story focuses on local folklore, the blasting of a local church with dynamite in order to move it from point A to point B. Perfect for you. Uh, And lately... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not just the blowing up of churches. <laughs> and then yeah, it says, lately there's, talk about that. <laughs> lately there's been a renaissance of where the gods have emerged from the church paintings and are touring the modern West Coast. We have lost control. These old souls do as they will. So I truly feel like um, we couldn't have found a better description of a winery for you. <laughs> um, the wine description is equally fantastic. It says, on the eighth day, pop, fizz, clink. The wine pairs best with celebrations, birthdays, promotions, New Year's, and Wednesday nights. Yeah, right? I was just trying to think of what day it was. <laughs> it's Friday. We should be doing this on a Wednesday. Um, but so the wine itself is a white wine. It's a mixture of Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Blanc. And it has notes of apple, pear, and almond with shimmering with a shimmering, nutty, bright finish. So I believe that your sharp... Unlimited imagery is the perfect companion for this wine, and I can't wait for everyone to hear your readings, which are equally unlimited in style and presentation. Thank you. You're very welcome. I was saying uh, the description of the church moving reminded me of the time the mayor of my hometown got in a feud with uh, the priest of the like because I went to Catholic school (laughs) really because over stained glass windows and it ended with the priest ringing the bells at the new church at two in the morning and getting like uh noise viola citations really oh yeah yeah and it was written up in the paper it was one of my favorite (laughs) newspaper articles ever ever because I didn't like the mayor or the priest so it was just that's his laugh (laughs) I was startling I thought you said Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He knows and we can't continue this conversation yeah. anymore. Uh, so. All right. Well, that's cool. So we did, uh, we picked well. Claire, how are you? I'm okay. Tell us, tell us about your day or maybe oh, tell people what happened a half hour ago. Oh, um, <laughs> that's not even nice. You're not, but you're being subversive nice. I'm, this is great. How are like no, it's it's my usual to, life. To the people, yeah. I can bring it into my poetry too. Okay, it's fine. Yeah. okay. Um, I got very lost. <laughs> uh, I don't make pictures in my head. Um, I forget the scientific. There's a term for it. Um, it's quite new. Quite a lot of the population doesn't mm. actually visually access their visual memories or visual anything. Um, and so I get lost a lot and that's why I didn't know this at the time that I had that, but when I moved to Fredericton from my hometown of Ajax, Ontario, I knew I was going to get lost a lot. So I decided to write a book about walking (laughs) 
in the new place to learn how not to be lost all the time in that new place. And that's Maunder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I got lost, and uh, after walking around a roundabout that was under construction for a while, yeah. I, I uh, waved down um, a very nice woman who had just moved to Edmonton a month ago. And she allowed me to call Rayanne. Luckily, I'd written your phone number down. I don't Luckily. have a cell phone as well. I like to live dangerously. You do. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so I got lost. But it was okay. We like, I'm you. used to it. Like, it's regular part of my life is getting lost. So it's kind of like an adventure. You get to go on adventures. My mom gets lost a lot, too, and that's what she would say. Yeah. Oh, we're not lost. We're going on an adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know <laughs> I use that line with my children when I'm lost somewhere. You should have had your mom on. Oh, cool. I'm for sure. Okay, well, next mm. time she comes on, we'll have her read some of your poetry. Okay. Unless your mom's a private poet. Or a public poet? No. no I, she, she did write when she was younger. Like, my one of the first short stories I ever wrote was, I found one of her short stories and I put it, like, I I took her one and a half page short story and made it ten pages sort of thing. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Um, short stories, what are you reading right now? Ooh, I made a list. Okay. Sorry, you're going to hear my paper move for a bit. Um, I've been reading a lot of comic books. Um, so for my birthday this year, I went back home to Ajax and um, had my con- uh, my mom paid for my comic book collection to get shipped back to Edmonton. So I got all my oh. X-Men's and um, I've basically been looking at the Chris Claremont run. So he was a very significant... If you're thinking of X-Men, you're probably thinking of Chris Claremont's X-Men. Okay. Um, if you're around our age. And, um, yeah, I've been reading a lot of those. I started buying comic book comics again. Um, um, I've been reading a lot of horror, because I'm also working on a horror novel, so I'm trying to remember how to write fiction and uh, try to scare people. So I just finished a really good book, Grief Cottage, by Gail Godwin, and it's not... it's one of those, like, about once every two years I find a book where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to read all this person's books. <laughs> and it was one of those. Like, last, I've had hmm. it happen. Miriam Taves, first oh, time yeah. I read Flying Troutman, I was like, I'm in. I still yeah. haven't read A Complicated Kindness, though. Cause I have it on my bookshelf. And I've read all her other ones, yeah. though. Yeah. Why haven't you read A Complicated Kindness? Because I'm a, oh, I'll save it for any, I'll save oh. it. I'm waiting for the perfect time. Right. And then I, and then occasionally I'm like, oh, I'm going to be hit by a bus. And then I'll, like, be lying on the pavement and be thinking, oh, I didn't read A Complicated Kindness. You didn't kindness. read it. Um, Allie Smith was another one. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, Scottish writer. She lives in England. And, uh. I am almost certain she has ADHD. Just, I find... Like the way she writes? Yeah, and because I have ADHD, I just... The leap she takes, and I've heard her talk in interviews, she talks really quickly (laughs) and hops subjects, which, um... Yeah, no, uh, Kindred, like, she's Mm -hmm. changed my writing a lot. Okay, I'm gonna check her out. And then, um, yeah, I've been listening to audiobooks, like mm-hmm. Ghost Road Blues. That was another ghost one. I'm reading, I have, we have a Stephen King book club. Yes, I heard about this. You're, You're in it. it. I heard about it. I've been we invited you. To, we haven't in, planned our yeah, first I mean, meeting like, I can't be in something that I haven't been, <laughs> like, gone to yet. Matthew will be a part of the inaugural Stephen King book club. Oh, it hasn't club. even started. No. Oh, okay. But well, you're reading I, a book in preparation for the it? The Dead Zone. 
Oh. Right? And I was supposed to start reading that. Yeah. And I'm writing that down. <laughs> and I've just started The Changeling by Victor Laval. My problem sometimes with horror is finding... It can be a bit sausage party. Yeah. You know what? When I, I was in Toronto last month for a book tour, and I went to the Toronto Art Gallery, and on the top, on the, the main exhibit on the top floor was a history of horror in film. That was their exhibit. And I paid the extra fee oh, I just to go see that one exhibit. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was at the museum, not the art gallery. So the ROM? So it was weird. Yeah, it was at the ROM. And I was like, why are they doing a horror exhibit at the ROM? So I paid extra to go see it. And it was so great. But actually a huge thing that was pointed out is how, like... Male sausage real, party it was and like all penis-y. the posters, yeah, penisy and all the posters People are like you know the women in the big off. boobs yeah. showing and yeah. um and then yeah so it, but it was really cool you would have loved it I would have loved yeah. it I'm mad I wasn't there for it and I I just finished a poetry collection so I'm I'm I have three that I'm carrying around and I'm gonna hop into one real soon Nolan Natasha uh, I can hear you can you hear me. Or Dominique Bouchard's One Dog Town. Oh, and I just got in the mail Isabella Wang's chapbook chat on forgetting a language. So I'm, oh, nice. I'm just okay. carrying it around right now. I feel now. that I want to get to. Well, I mean, you would you recommend the Nolan Natasha to me, so that's... Yes. Oh, I get on that. Two mm. of them were uh, at Poetry Weekend in Fredericton. Okay. Um, when I was back. When you were there? Yeah. Cool. It's a good list. Uh, well, I knew you guys were going to ask, so I wrote it down. <laughs> How did you know? I didn't tell you we, in advance. We ask it a lot. We you do ask, ask it. it. She's heard our podcast before. Yeah. 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 I did some research. <laughs> Who are these people that I already know? <laughs> okay. Um, should we ask Claire to read a poem? Yes. Matthew's busy drinking I'm his wine. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to take a sip, and you're like asking me a question. I'm he like, was undecided. Yeah, I was undecided. <laughs> as long as I can drink, Claire can read. <laughs> Okay, um, so we both love um, avoiding East Coast nostalgia out West, and we thought it would be a great poem to introduce your poetry part of the podcast. So, this uh, this is actually the first poem I wrote in Edmonton when I moved. Cool. Um, it has an epigraph by Jessica Heimstra from her book Apologetic for Joy. I'm learning the eddies, the tug of my new city, new magpies. Avoiding East Coast nostalgia out West. So I'd forgotten the sound of birds, bingo lady magpies griping because their squares are bare, pigeons landing like bad apologies on the balcony above mine. I imagine delicate coos while they angle their heads, dun-colored sociopaths, all Hannibal Lecter cocking an ear for hot pot awful of oil patch worker. Wheat farmer sirloin and semi demi glaze, and the sun for days and days, such persistence, curtain tattooing the bedspread with laced shadow, no spring storm coming in, no nor'easter to bend the branches to litter sidewalks with tree buds, readjustment be damned, don't let me miss mist rain that can't be stopped by slicker or umbrella. Or the busker calling out, poem for a penny, who threatens when decline. Fuck you, you scarf-wearing bitch. But the birds each morning keep singing with nothing yet to be done. So every day I cozy up to the balcony as I Wi-Fi my resume for jobs that actually pay. 
and practice my you-can-trust-me smile, secretly wiping nerve-sweat palms along my good dress pants before gripping. And I practice my song for student loan repayment, my not-so-soft landing, feathered, somehow new. I love that poem. I heard you read that poem, I'm sure, before at the Poetry Festival. Uh, I've read... I'm sure that I heard you read it there. (laughs) And I loved it then. It's a great poem. Um, and it takes so many fun twists, right? Like the the poem guy, the poem on the street guy. That's a real then, guy in Fredericton. It's a real <laughs> guy. And then he yells at you and he swears at you, which you wouldn't expect from the poem guy. It was on the last walk I took in Fredericton oh. with a friend. Oh. And he would... Uh, and I, well, That was a great good yeah. walk for you. And yeah, there is a thing about nostalgia for places you used to live where um, temperamentally you may only remember the good or only the bad, depending on your experience there and depending on your personality. Um, And I knew that I could mythologize Fredericton in a way, so I kind of wouldn't... I wanted to get things down before I was like, let's gloss over that. (laughs) And just be like, oh, the walking bridge. (laughs) Right. It is so peaceful on a Sunday morning. The Beaverbrook Library. <laughs> the Beaverbrook Room at the UMB Library. Yeah. 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 No, it's awesome. I, I really love the book, and I love the way you um, are telling the stories of, of your of your tra- travel journeys, you know? Yeah, I realized, like, my partner sat me down. Not sat me down. It's not like he was like, you're in trouble. <laughs> he sat you down. <laughs> no, but he mentioned, like, I may not be talking about the book the way he he experienced it where Mm. like it's not just about moving it's about trying to make home and it's also about I had a lot of trouble when I moved to Edmonton um I I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and being undiagnosed in a city space Mm. was very different than being undiagnosed in a small like Fredericton is a much smaller place its speed is very different so I had i it became I, I couldn't cope. My coping skills weren't mm. functioning. Um, yeah, so that is in the book too. Like that's why it's one thing then another. Like right. that's kind of how I was. Ex- it's not just the move, but it's how I was experiencing the city space as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. issue after issue. Well, because like I'm interested in maybe talking to you a little bit more about form and how a collection comes together for you. <laughs> for like so for one thing then another. You know, you've got the east section, the then section, which is the travel in between, and then the the west section is your time in Edmonton. Um, And I wondered to hear a little bit more about how a collection takes shape for you, and particularly, like, you know, is it simply, because this is your second one, you've got a third one in the bank that's probably (laughs) forming up for you, or you, you know, is it about just like, oh, I've got enough poems, or are you working towards a certain form? Generally, I'm just writing, and then about 30 pages in, I start to be like, oh, maybe I'm writing about this. Yeah. And then I um, start to realize, see patterns in what the poems I'm just writing. And then 
So I found like I was looking back at, I had some poems about Fredericton before I left, but I had some poems thinking about Fredericton. But I also had been right, like we didn't have a lot of money in Fredericton at all. Mm. Like when we moved, we ta- our joke is we joined the paper towel bracket because we could buy paper towels. We could buy more than one. Oh. Like we were buying just a green pepper and now we're like, we can get a different, we can get pepper varietals. We can get a red pepper. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and that like... So some of the organization of the first part of that book, it's not all about Fredericton, but it's about the constraint of poverty mm. or and the worry. Mm-hmm. So I find the first half, uh, the first part of the book has a different concern than the second part. And um, the then part I wrote, like it's a poem that takes place in U-Haul when we, uh, we had moved here. I got here April, two days before the NDP one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Two days before? Something like that. Um, so I got to write, you're welcome, everyone, on wow. <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. Good <laughs> time to arrive. That was a good time yeah. to arrive. And um, then um, May, long weekend, mm. we flew to uh, Winnipeg, where my partner's from. We packed up furniture that his... They were, it was mostly his grandparents' furniture that his mom had been saving for us. And then we drove back through an ice storm. And I was uh-huh. like, welcome to the... Like, this, <laughs> this ice storm in the May long weekend. Day. Like, uh, yeah, that was weird. And um, he... I don't drive, so he's like, white knuckle... Rob's white knuckle driving. And I'm writing a poem. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, it just was a good division between that and then the concerns I kind of talked about were, like, living in a city, um, having money to go out. So there's a couple of restaurant poems where, yeah. like, we didn't have that sort of money in Freder- yeah. Fredericton as much. We attempted, like, we would make choices so we could go out, like... <laughs> yeah. Um, like the fact that like, we have a car and people don't know we have a car ever because uh, <laughs> we don't use our car. Um, but... Actually, Matthew asked that because he said, how is Claire getting here? And I said, I don't know. Maybe maybe Rob's driving her. And he said, do they have a car? Yeah, it's a secret. It's we a have secret. a secret, very... Um, Breaking news on Let's Get Away. We have a yeah. secret car. <laughs> There's secret Santa movies, secret... <laughs> well, secret Santa movies. Movies. I was just trying to think like are you just not taking the car out of the garage because of something it's that happened secret. recently like, it's like a know, secret maybe, movie no but secret like the, car. the bumper's broken or something no they no hit, it's it's perfectly something. fine it's is just it? it's um we, we have arranged our lives so we don't have to use a car that much right. and if it's arranged. a part of the way you lived your life for so long you're used yeah, to that yeah. and so like Fredericton is a city that used to be attached to railway lines and they ripped up the railway lines and made them all walking paths so oh, like hmm. Fredericton is a city where especially the downtown core that does have spread like suburban spread like other cities but um, most of the students I knew we all lived within walking distance of each yeah. other um yeah and that was just so i i enjoyed that i yeah. wrote about it yeah yeah <laughs> and i i i wanted to continue that when we moved here so mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of how that collection came together um i think of collections the way to organize collections is to think of different worries and then put the palms in the different worry piles <laughs> okay so my mm. new collection i'm working on um I kind of, yeah, I kind of have an, or two, there's two worries going on, so I have two, no, three worries going on, so I have different piles. 
That's a good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So we were talking about collections and poetry and and books that you put out. (laughs) And so your first collection was about the act of walking. And I noticed a lot of that and also public transit and just getting around and in your second collection too. Um, Can you talk about how walking and travel play into the themes of your poetry and maybe even Mm -hmm. how you write it? Yeah, um, so Maunder came out of my thesis, and, um, as, yeah, I get lost so easily, and I wanted to not be lost all the time in the new place I lived, so, um, that was the inspiration, and the challenge was getting 60 pages of poetry in a year, Mm. 60 pages, no, what was it, 60 poems? Yeah, 60 pages of poetry and then an academic introduction um, done in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just grab bag ideas. Like, Mm -hmm. so I did go on walks. I did just try to be aware. That's one of the reasons I don't have a cell phone now is I would not have been able to finish if I had been. Yeah, um, I hear you. uh, Because I was just searching for images constantly. And... um, the way I write poetry generally is I um, get a line in my head that has a good rhythm, and then um, very often it'll be um, when I get up and if I have a bath and read poetry in the bath, and then there's a rhythm in my head from reading the poetry, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's um, walking to work, because walking builds a rhythm, and I find if your body is doing a rhythm, it's very easy for your words to do a rhythm, mm-hmm. and um that's why, uh, like, there's a b- great history of walking poetry, like, mm-hmm. from the Romantics, um, Goethe, uh, I think he was a walker, I may be getting him confused with another German, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there's a big walking history of Frank O'Hara, Frank O'Hara's lunch poems, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's, and it does build a rhythm, yeah. and that makes it easier to have your writing have attention that I enjoy, uh, like poetry to have in yeah. my own work and what I read. Um, I always am talking about like, oh, that has a good engine, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently, like I was at the Olive reading and Jordan Abel was reading and um, he's just, his new piece is amazing. Mm-hmm. If you get to hear it aloud, hear it aloud. Um, I believe and that I heard that. Didn't he read that in the summer at that he event? He read at the Fiddlehead yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. It was um, so good. And it, saying it has an engine is a weird, is a weird metaphor to use mm. for that piece because the piece is very land-based and nature-based. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, then it's like you want it to have muscle. You want it to have movement. You want it to have attention. And I find if you can build a rhythm in however you need to do it, some people do it by listening to music. Some people do it through the act of editing, um, mm-hmm. that, um, I think, po- like, I need that for, to get me to the end of the poem. You want the poem to be sort of breaking your brain with what it's saying, mm-hmm. but also making you go forward at the same time to mm-hmm. get to that next line. That's kind of my ideal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but let's talk about a bit about, sure. Like different, what different people are writing, and and you are inspired a lot by pop culture, um, and particularly when uh, we look at your upcoming chapbook with Rahelia's Ghost Press. So we want to know why you well, like why do you think you're drawn to writing about this pop culture, and and what do you think 
it adds to your work? Um, we are just bathed in pop culture. Like, it's a part of our landscape. Um, I can't, like, I remember I had some professors who are, had a lot of trouble uh, in creative writing classes finding a book everyone had read to mm. prove a point about narrative or to prove a point about... Not proof, proof is right. Yeah. <laughs> to elaborate on a point about narrative or to give an example and um, or character or whatever. But people had seen TV shows, people had seen movies. Yeah. And um, I saw the morning that we all weren't reading the same books, whereas I was like, I don't know, I don't know if the canon is something to celebrate right. in that way. Um, so like yeah, so I mentioned Hannibal Lecter in that one. I love I love Silence of the Lambs. Like mm-hmm. um I don't even consciously like in the horror collection, like I was purposely writing a horror collection. Um but I'm don't always in that one it's just like, yeah, they reminded me of Hannibal Lecter. That's my reference, that's my world, and that's what I'm taking stuff from. I'm not even thinking about it necessarily of being like, oh, I'm going to make a pop culture reference now. Um, For the horror chapbook, that was more conscious. Hmm. Um, Usually, as I said, I don't sit down and I don't do like project books very often because usually when I try to do a project thing, it's six poems, and then I'm like, oh, that's not enough. I can't make a book out of that. Yeah. See the mushroom poems from my first chapbook. It's half the chapbook, and that's it. Um, then I get bored and I have to move on. But um, for horror, I think horror is important right now. Um, mm. I see. Uh, oh, I forget who it was. My brain is a my medicine is wearing off, so I'm gonna have trouble with names. Okay. Yeah. But there was an okay. article in the CBC about. Um, Indigenous horror. Yes. Um, Alicia Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what I here's my theory. I have two. It's two theories. First theory. If the government, if police, if social structures aren't going to listen to these major problems that are in society, and you have nowhere to put them, Mm -hmm. the narrative of horror with the catharsis built in at the end is a very useful way to bring attention to those issues but also to survive those issues in a certain way Mm. um it's why i was talking with my partner before i came where i think Mm. straight cis white men may watch horror differently than other people yeah Yeah. that'll play into the poem i'm gonna read later but like um i don't I watch, I read true crime, I look at true crime, listen to true crime podcasts, I read true crime, I read horror, in a way to pick, find tips to survive. Yeah, I agree. As a a woman, 100%. So, Hmm. um, yeah, I just think, I'm in my mid-30s now, I'm around the same age as the guys who made Stranger mm-hmm. Things. We call Stranger it, Things. We call yeah. it jokingly Stranger Danger. <laughs> so I have to remember what the title is. Um, Stranger Thing. Like, it's in the air because the people who are the creators now are around my age. Yeah. And they were grown in the same, like, topsoil. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. So that becomes a focus for me, and it allowed me to write what I was angry about, mm. which is a lot of can lit, um, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of me too, a lot mm-hmm. of um, going through the realization that although I've been lucky not to have certain experiences, mm-hmm. I have had experiences that make the world at large a scarier place than it is for some mm-hmm. and it is for my partner even like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I think what I want to do is take things out of order okay perhaps. I want you to read the horror one now? yeah I think oh. that's a really good tie in for so. what we've just been chatting about is that you could preview your um, chat book Another Final Girl by reading cool. um, places in which to be wary yeah okay. so this one I created Kind of, I found a list of 100 best horror films, and I found some others that I added to it. Um, and I basically went on IMDb and looked at all the locations that the place, like, the films were about. Mm. To see how many places we're supposed to be scared in. Okay. Places in which to be wary. In the predictable gothic miscellanea of convents, funeral parlors, hospitals... Perma-vacancy motels, all the clichés wrapped in scarlet-stained shrouds, at mysterious abandoned carnivals, circus sideshows, caves, coated in the dust of excavation sites, in churches and brothels, in foggy graveyards and dripping dungeons, in large spooky rented houses, in maximum security asylums, in each ominous orphanage. Far-flung and remote, villages quaint and small, say rustic with a rusty chainsaw. Say let me alone with my thoughts while even the grass grows sharp as blades. In wooden churches of abandoned villages, in sleepy New Mexico towns, all cabins in all the woods. In the French countryside, yes, I said all cabins. In Maryland forests, at your widowed aunt's country home. To escape the rat race, but rat teeth continue to grow and must gnaw on something, probably you. In new farmhouses and old farmhouses, never trust a farmhouse. Even in space, at Antarctic research stations in the backwoods of Texas. In the suburbs, in spotless homes, at your neighbors, in the outskirts of Stockholm. When you close your eyes, it's so easy to be there, so you think, what's the worst that can happen as it's happening? Mm. In quaint Washington hamlets, the quainter, the more dangerous. In Midwestern burgs, the suburbs, all of them. In wares so familiar, they lure you to surrendering survival. In bathrooms of all kinds, gas stations, in the normal world, on the internet, so many shopping malls, in your very own home. Places you pay extra to pantomime safety. What a scalpel-wielding farce. In mansions, manors, estates, in sorority houses, new gated communities, castles, especially German ones, in the upper class houses of white in-laws, in greater and lesser cities, in Paris, in Parisian apartments, in New York's Greenwich Village, on every ghost brotherly loving street of Philadelphia, in the Cabrini Green projects, on the Berlin subway, 
in certain London quarters, strike that in pretty much all of England. Bodily harm near bodies of water, in Venetian canals, strange Californian seasides, in the Bay Area, waterlogged, a baptism of blood diffusing from flashy red to languid pink, in Bodega Bay, on the Isle of St. Sebastian, at beach resorts, especially on holiday weekends, on oft-ignored islands off the coast of Scotland or Scandinavia. Something to learn, to trust your instincts in places of learning, veterinary schools, at proms, in every single laboratory, at anything that calls itself an institute, at prestigious dance academies, at pre-elementary and high schools, at universities. No matter what your major is, study how to dash down a corridor without slipping on a puddle of your best friend, that the cute boy might just be a killer despite his wavy hair and dimpled smile, or maybe just cruel, gifting a small death for you to carry forever, and maybe this being what horror movies are for, lessons to carry forever. You think running might help, shifting the car to drive and gunning it, but danger lurks while in motion, in every manner of car, train, plane, boat, from town to town, country to country, the whole goddamn earth as it spins and pitches through ever-expanding space. Wow. There's so much in there. <laughs> no, I mean that. I mean that in like a really good way. There's so much in there. Because um, I kept, I kept trying to write lines down without it, without the microphone picking it up. Um, and like the rust, a rustic cabin with a rusty chainsaw. Um, I think the line I that struck me the most. The suburbs. Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, and all of them. All, all of, them. of them. Yeah, that like that line. The suburbs, all of them. That's the collection a... opens with a poem about growing up in suburbia and like yeah. how you cause trouble. Because what else is there to do? Yeah, and, and there's also this under there's hit there's this hidden under under unknown danger in the suburbs. Well, right? I think Cora relies on the assumption of safety. Yeah, and then twisting that. Yeah, torting that. I once dated a rich boy, and going to his family's house was stressful from a class perspective. Oh, yeah. But hmm. knowing the fear, like, it's playing with a fear that's real. Like, the suburbs aren't safe for everyone. Yeah. Rich places aren't safe for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, this is a weird break, but can I introduce a wine break? Yes. Wine break! I, I mean, why don't we, after that intense poem, which I want to read, like, I want to sit and read it cool. on the page. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's so much in there. Um, but and yes, should we should have a wine break. Ghost Press, when it comes with out. all of their other checkbooks. When does it come out? Um, April, I think. We April. haven't started editing yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but it will um, come. But it will come. Spring, spring is, like, pretty... It's not that far. No, okay, no, but I mean, to... yeah, but I just mean, like... Spring is most, specific like, enough. With most, like, seasons and books and chapbook, but, like, you just come out when it comes out. Because I think their new stuff's just coming out in the next week or two, and, like, normally they're, like... Oh, I'm not worried about it. I, um... No, no, I just mean, like, there's not a specific date. No, no, um... I Sorry. want my last my full length came out. Is there another bomb? I had a little bit in the bottom of my glass. That's why it looks like I have more. I don't actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you can't see this podcast, listeners, but Rand 
poured all of the bottle I into did her, not! And then gently topped up yeah. her and my Now we're crying. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, that you can read it. But that was our wine break. <laughs> Rayanne's wine break. Yeah. Which is going to turn into a wine evening for her. Well, we're going to have to... We're going to have to find out where to buy more of this. OMG. Let's let's talk about kind of the the bigger thing that you're doing with your collection that you know you didn't Which want one? It, the, the the one the one thing that the new one. Okay. The, new one. the main thing we are talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, a lot yeah. of things but this is Sorry. the one that we mainly wanted to talk about. I'm not about. great at staying on topic, yeah. guys. It's it'll be the picture of the podcast episode cover yes. so then yeah. people know what we're talking right. about. But um so yeah, so one thing that another looks at like two very different places. Uh, New Brunswick, Fredericton, uh, well, Fredericton, New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, got it. Yeah, yeah. I have not province and Edmonton, Alberta, uh, despite what, you know, the UCP would claim. Um, <sighs> I got opinions. You know, yeah, I know. And so, like, you know, you can see it on your collection here where it's the habist it uh, is. have provinces, which yeah. I, which I would agree with too. And so, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, your collection does deal with poverty and, and poverty mm-hmm. in Fredericton. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the different yeah, experiences between for sure. these two provinces and what you kind of think I've already government told, of today should look at. I've already talked about the pepper bracket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went up the like the paper towel bracket. Um, there is a coping that if you... Even if, like, my family was comfortable... Like, we were survivable. We were comfortable at times. <laughs> we were mostly comfortable. Um, but that was a lot of stress on my mom to make us comfortable. I will Mm. say that, um, that, but I come from a working class background. I come from, I always joke, everyone's always like, why do you have all these chronic pain things or chronic illnesses? And I'm like, urban poor, uh, (laughs) my body, like it's learned, it's epigenetics. It's, but there's, if you come from a place or a family that has experienced poverty and multi-generational poverty, mm-hmm. your coping skills and your way to survive and you're not buying the big truck, the big house. I don't like the, and the assumption that the good times will last. You don't have the assumption the yeah. good times will last forever. There's an area around a black hole that has a lot of energy. Like it's just excess energy. Nothing can form there. Stars cannot form there. It's just energy lives there. Nothing builds there. It just slowly gets sucked into the the black hole. Um, And that's what I kind of... The metaphor I'm thinking about for late-stage capitalism. There's such excess in the West. Yeah. And we're not building with it. We're just consuming it the way a black hole does. And (laughs) granted, I don't know what's on the other side of the black hole... Maybe there's something really cool going on there, and wow. this is a faulty metaphor that I don't have access to knowing it's faulty, but this is it's my thoughts of moving to Edmonton a little bit. And mm-hmm. then I see blowing the bank at an individual level, but I see blowing a bank at a political level too right. with the UCP. Uh, there's no tax. The best, the yeah. funnest thing to say to an Albertan <sighs> is, I love paying taxes. Yeah. I say it as much yes. as possible. Yes. <laughs> hey, I was a single mom for a long time struggling to um, keep a roof over my kid's head. 
and it was social programs that saved our lives. Mm-hmm. So I will pay, mm-hmm. I will pay those taxes. Damn right, I don't want to step yeah. over corpses on no. the way to work. Yeah, no. that's my line always. Yeah, which that's is a good line. I like that line. Mm-hmm. That's like, is that is that in the is that in the chat book? No, that's just what I say to people. <laughs> you might want to put it in in yeah. one of them. Horror film, there has to be a corpse, yeah. all right? Yeah. But I just mean, like, I mean, that's what we're lying about <laughs> what's going on when we're not paying our taxes. Oh, yeah. We're walking over corpses. Yeah. 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 It's true. I think, like, think about that a lot. Like, even when they cut, like, my library is the downtown branch, which right now is at a different place because mm-hmm. they're building the new one. Um, which I also thought was weird because I literally have taken every one of my relatives who has visited when the Stanley Milner was open. I took my family there to show them the best library I'd ever been to. Huh. And then they have gutted it and <laughs> built a better one. Like, I'm just like, I don't like it. I don't understand the tear it down and build it up. Huh. Yeah. Maybe better. <laughs> Yeah, maybe better is the question we're at with the library right now. The other thing I don't know, this is how I brag about the library, Yeah, which is a bit complicated now. And I brag about um, more green space per capita than any city in North America. Yes. It's true. I used to work in tourism and like in terms of like magazines and stuff. And like we did, we did say that a lot. Yeah. But it's conversationally um, learning. It's the same way with poetry. Learning to brag stuff up people don't actually think they like. <laughs> yeah. So, like, people don't know that Edmonton has some really great stuff. People don't know that poetry has some really great stuff. Um, and not talking about it apologetically. Talking yeah. about it excitedly. Yes. Yeah. I read, because um, Matthew gave me a... Um, um, uh, a recommendation for the Morgan Parker yeah, book. Yeah, that Clara um, Which I think you... Okay, so he yeah. got the recommendation for you. I got the book now. Uh, what's the title of the book? There are more, more beautiful, more beautiful things, things than Beyonce. Beyonce. And her new one is yeah. um, Magical Yeah, yeah. so amazing book. Oh, I've got, already bookshop. got it. <laughs> uh, but I read, I read her poems in a high school class that I was um, giving a workshop to yesterday. And the kids were blown away. And I was like, this is what poetry is now. And this is what, you know, incredible women of color are writing. And we, you need to be reading this. And let's forget about what... Uh, what we all experienced when, um, or when I was a kid in high school. Well, yeah, poetry's taught very poorly. Um, It's taught to understand this, not experience it. Right. Um, And, yeah, I've had, we were there today, like, I went and talked to a class. I read some of my work, and I read... um, Horror. I read... uh, I read Something Wicked This Way Comes, which um, I first read... When I was 12, I had a newspaper route, hmm. and I would read it while delivering newspapers very poorly. Yeah, I was like, how did, I delivered newspapers, and I was like, there was no time to read. It, took, it would take me three hours to do my route. And but you probably got big. a couple good poems out of it. But I read, uh, <laughs> but I was really bad. I We weren't allowed to throw. I definitely threw the papers. Oh. And I once oh. threw the paper on someone's garage roof. <laughs> See, I have to put the papers in the mailbox. If they didn't go in the mailbox... We were supposed to put them on the porch. 
No, there was like... There was I'm actually mailbox. jealous of both of you because I was a poor country kid and I never got to have a paper route. You wanted one? I so No, they were a scam. One. They were a literal scam. Yeah. Because yeah. they would send you it to collect money and you're like... Um, Half the time when I phone my mom, like, they're knocking on the door and my mom's like, hold on, the dog's working. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I remember this. But yeah, it's... They're not necessarily a scam. It's just like, I... Again, sending a twelve-year-old kid to collect your—it really depends. Yeah, because like I, we had to collect the money too, and like usually, like oh. you would, you would give like a lot. You would make and like I think we they always ended up paying us still too, like based on like what we couldn't collect. Yeah. And like there, people would. I, I I lived in a good neighborhood where most people wanted to pay in advance or something, and like I miss this is like Christmas time for a paper boy. The tips that I would get. I didn't last oh, that. Oh my god! Like and like people See? like not only missed would I out get, on this. Not only would people like pay you really well. As, like, I never made it to Christmas. There was like okay. a day, and like I would judge the people who didn't have like a card or like baked goods or like chocolate. Oh my and, like, god! I was just like I was spoiled <laughs> in the like last two weeks. You were like, "Where's Christmas. my Christmas cookies?" Yeah, I would knock on the door. I am like, not putting your paper in your mailbox. Yeah. It's gonna so, be in the wet curb. Yeah. So like. I read that while delivering newspapers in October. <laughs> she's, no, no, she's no, no. Getting yeah. us back this on is. Track. I have a question. I have a question. Um, I read it, and it was like one of the best reading experiences of my life because hmm. the book takes place um, the thirtieth of October and the thirty first of October. Okay. And like, so it was like I'm stepping on leaves. It's describing leaves. Like it was just one of the per- like. Have you guys had really good yes. reading? Like a perfect mm-hmm. reading experience for a book. I have one yeah. other, which was reading uh, "To the Lighthouse" by Virginia Woolf on Grand Manan Island, which is off mm-hmm. the coast of New Brunswick, and it was fogged in, and literally there was a foghorn going off, and like oh it was God. just like the perfect place. Yeah. Like, what's your? your- I, I don't know right now. Okay. I have to sit and think. I always think of, like, when um, I read Andre Asimov's, like, Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. and, like, I read that, like, on, like, a the, the summer trip to, like, B.C., and it was just sort of, like, because it's all taking place in Italy, and there's lots of, like, wine and good food, and that was kind of, like, what that trip was all about, oh. so it felt like kind of, like, the perfect summer read, so... So, yeah, my question that I was going to ask you before okay. you interrupted me uh, <laughs> on my own podcast. Um, so much ownership. I know, right? <laughs> I want to be like, there's a man talking. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Claire? Um, oh anyways, we, uh, in a mutual respect, have <laughs> workshop poems together yes. before. And something that I was struck by in the way that our writing differs, um, and like, you know, something that, you know, I think has come up a couple times tonight is that I tend to put a lot more of the personal and as much of my personal self as I can in the poem. Um, I don't really hold back. I'm a very much like confessional. This came up once when we were editing. Yeah. And whereas you've admitted sometimes that you hold back or will change Mm. details so that sometimes I lie. And sometimes you lie so they don't feel too personal. And so I want to talk to Not so little... that they don't feel too... So that the poems work. You know, okay. And, like, I guess oh. if we can talk a little bit more about why sure. some things either seem, like, off-limits or, like, why the poem working is more important than an honest poem for you. Um, yeah, I feel like it's... For me, it's wrapped up in a class-based thing. Sometimes. Mm. Like, um... Like, we were talking about the newspaper delivery, um... No, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. But like my reason I didn't want to go ask people for money 
is you don't do that. Like, mm. um, there's a story of my nanny who's just like a very like important figure for me. Um, mm. She uh, she had six kids. Um, my grandfather was great, but um, and I I agree with him a lot. Mm. Like he would quit jobs if someone would disrespect him. But he had six kids. Um, and so my nanny had to hold things together. And as I said, my mom was very good at holding things together. Mm. And, um, it becomes, you don't, you don't ask for that in the same way you don't invite people into your business. Right. Um, I remember I had a friend, I have a friend who, like in Alberta, when you have a baby, they come to your house Mm -hmm. and they check if your baby has jaundice. Yeah. And I immediately got that straight spine. That means so they come into your house and they judge you for how you're taking care of your baby. That's how I read it. And I was like, I was imagining. Hmm. In our country, we steal indigenous kids away from their families a lot. Like it's a class reading, but there's also a racial dimension. And so there's details I don't, it's none of your fucking business. That's like, that's my, and I will make the poem enjoyable for you. Don't worry about it. You don't necessarily get to have access to me or my family or anything like that. None of your business. I can make things interesting. I'm not willing to put my family up for people's. I've written poems about my dad. I'm not being close to my dad. My dad's dead now. So like that, I'm allowed to do that. But, like, there's certain things where I'm like, mm. no. It's an itchy prospect of mm. I'm not a confessional. I love confessional poetry. I, yeah. That's primarily what I read, even. That's what I'm working on. Um, but um, it's, no, like, fuck, no, you don't get that. <laughs> it's not yours. It's mine. <laughs> I, I, res- I totally respect yeah. that. Um, but, but saying that, then, um, what do you hope people would take away from your work then? Generally, it's um, that the world is in all the extreme emotions that could appear in a professional poetry. The world makes that. And mm. like, um, and I can make that and my brain can make that. And I can do that without you like this is just a personal thing without me using my family. Yes. Yeah. So I, I want those emotions still, but I generally am doing them through images or through, um, juxtaposition or through like a walk can be fucking intense. If you think someone's following you, you know what I mean? Like you can set up situations and sometimes I, I do write confessional poems, but people never notice they Mm. are, Sometimes I'll put them in third person, and sometimes I'll, it can be true without having the details of yeah. my family. Yeah, hundred you know I mean? percent. I mean, even when you read the the last poem, and we were saying like we were struck by the line "suburbs," all of them. I mean, yeah. this is not a confessional poem, but there's obviously some deep meaning there. Some deep. Um, you know, something has, has. And it's a personal poem because I've watched yeah. a lot of these movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I've tried to analyze that. Like, you get access to my brain. You don't necessarily get access to my story or my family's story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, yeah, it's it's something I've 
think about because I do I do enjoy professional poetry and Canadian right like Canadian awards love professional poetry too <laughs> um, and that is great because I enjoy it but uh, yeah there's complicated I've had to think about this a yeah. little bit yeah and it's still itchy I feel like <laughs> I have to loosen my limbs hmm. good answer yeah super good answer um, well I think maybe we should ask you to read uh, oh. a final poem for us yeah. this evening what do you think yeah Matthew yeah. That sounds good to you. Um, so this poem, I love this poem mm-hmm. so much. And I was actually um, texting Matthew the poems that I wanted you to read. And I sent him a text like, oh, this poem, this poem. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this poem. And then, you know, half an hour later, I was like, no, it has to be <laughs> this poem. And we both agreed. We both agreed. So we would like you to read D2O. Yeah. Is that this how one it's is, pronounced? Yeah, 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 D2O. It's the chemical name for heavy water. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, this one's, and I'm going to say this, this is a pretty confessional fucking poem. <laughs> <laughs> we want the whole story. Yeah, um, it's a complicated, it's a story that's complicated and then got, has been made more complicated every time I go back to Fredericton. Mm. Um, leaving people behind, and in this case I found out the truth of the person mm. afterwards, and it was... Very painful. It's just painful. Um, Thanks for bringing it up, guys. Sorry. You put it in a book. (laughs) Yeah, so basically it's um, about someone who was a friend, and I left them in a bad state when I moved. Um, This poem appeared in Poetry is Dead. I like to acknowledge the lit mags Mm. they were in, because lit mags are important. Yes. And um, you should subscribe to them so people don't yell at them on Twitter for having contest entry fees. But also, I mean... (laughs) I guess you can probably still buy Poetry's Dead last issue. Yeah, Poetry is Dead, uh, they're not the example to give, but yeah, I'm just being difficult. Yeah. And it's about a friend I left when I was a bad state when I moved. D2O. A friend is losing his soul three time zones away. I don't even believe in souls, but he's losing something. He lives within a dampness that keeps people sodden and secure, reasonable. Like their innards, what's outside their bodies is mostly water, so they can't forget where they came from. I went to grade school near a can-do nuke plant, and at twelve learned of heavy water. Can't remember anything about it now, just that some water at atomic scale must be easier to carry than others. Where my friend calls home, cars all fall to pieces from salt and rain. And here they keep going, light as empty water skins. Could take off from one side of the river and land with a crowd of rust on the other. Their chassis sloughed to bird bone. But my friend feels heavier without his soul that I can't think of another word for. His not-soul soul. Like some nemesis, hated emptiness, so spat on a sad iron and sutured it inside him. Now he's a pulp and paper mill burning down near the dank earth, which is too far away in a country that's too big to be of any help. I find it interesting, I mean, because not knowing what it what it was about, um, I had my own take on that. That's poem, cool. Right? I love which, that. Yeah, which of course poetry is. And because my family's been dealing with a lot of 
depression and, and, um, that's, you know, stuff over the past year, which is also heavy and confessional. Um, I went right to that, right to that place. But that's what the details I had then were that. Mm. Whereas I know like every time I go back, I find things out and, um, have nightmares about it. Yeah. It's no good. (laughs) I think, like... We've created the, a beautiful poem. Yeah. I think even the poem of it kind of references to, like, what future things could happen. Because, like, yeah. you know, now he's a pulp and paper mill burning down yeah. near the dank earth. And, like, what sort of things Oof. that you infect by being that way where you are. And the arrogance of thinking that I could have helped. Yeah. Uh, and it is arrogance. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, that's not that's not how this shit works. You know what I mean? Sorry, I'm getting all sweary because of the wine's kicking in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> you, that's why I asked you before, like, are you sure you're not Italian? But I get the Irish. <laughs> Claire Kelly? Totally get the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I, it's been a real pleasure talking with you tonight thank you I guys think, for having yeah. me i meant to say that earlier thank yeah. you oh, wow <laughs> that's this is where we say thank you yes we didn't yes. really like introduce you at the beginning let you say hi you did anything. the longest bio ever no but i just mean like you know it was I'm like hey claire <laughs> yeah claire it was talking. like hi hi yeah. claire we didn't do that so yeah. hi claire so yeah i guess yeah thank you for talking with us tonight and sharing your poetry and whatever experiences that you shared that you didn't hold off on mm-hmm. we appreciate every little detail and more <laughs> we do we do um and and we do want to thank uh gravinder Bhatia again and the um writers guild of alberta for being amazing partners and supporters of the podcast and yeah to all of our listeners thank you and keep up to date on the podcast um you know please follow us on twitter at let's underscore lit and subscribe and listen to the podcast at audioboom.com and more places where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, I was going to just remind everybody that Claire's books are Maunder and One Thing Then Another, and they are available at Glass Bookshop. Okay. All right. Well, hey, two, two beautiful and terrible things. Yeah. Claire Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I got no more wine. <laughs>